0: Leak in the boiler room, the poor, the lame, the blind. Who are the ones that we kept in charge? Killers, thieves, and lawyers. God so quick, God so quick, God so oh, business, business. God so quick, God so quick, God
1: so oh, business. Welcome to the Armageddon Respect Podcast. Today's episode is a conversation collaboration I did with Riley. He has a YouTube channel called Jexit 2020. I encourage you to check that out. Great guy, good content, uh, all things ex Witness. We talked about um, having a double life, what that means somewhat as a witness, what it's like, and the idea of not living a double life anymore. Just a couple ideas we were tossing back and forth. Just kind of a free-flowing conversation we had. And uh, as always, after the conversation, I just had a thought that came to me that I just wanted to add in here in the preamble. And that is the fact that the organization, the Jehovah's Witness organization, condemns the idea of having a double life. But the organization itself is living a double life. They have a public relations department and they have this facade, this veneer on the front of the organization. I'm not saying there's not any genuine or sincere people in the organization, but in general, generally speaking, and they want to appear just shiny and perfect and that everything's all put together and... On this great trajectory, <laughs> and that is pure good. It's changing lives purely for the better. And then there's things going on in private that they just want to keep completely separate and out of the purview of the public and even their own members. And so they have their own double life going on, and yet they condemn people who within the organization live double life That's just a thought that popped into my head just want to mention that the conversation was recorded on my phone with my earbuds just so I could facilitate having audio and video uh, for his YouTube channel and I'm just awful with technology that was the easiest way for me to do it so that being said I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Riley
2: alright Riley so today we're talking about having a double life living a double life um, you and I we were talking a little bit before Uh, It's not something that's unique to being a Jehovah's Witness. Obviously, there are people that have never been a part of the Watchtower that have double lives or a a secret life that they're not sharing with those around them. Mm. And I think um, you'd probably agree that typically a double life, uh, if it can be avoided, it's a good idea because it's not healthy necessarily to have uh, two different personas going at the same time in our heads or two different lives going at the same time. But I think it'd be really interesting to kind of talk about um, Watchtower as like a driver of the double life, uh, like their part in it that they fail to recognize. Um, and I'd just maybe, if you want to start out just talking about kind of your experience with it, whatever you uh, want to share, and then maybe I'll follow up with some of my experience around having a double life.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I guess I should start off by saying that I was uh, I'm born in, I was raised in the truth from about the age of two. Uh, two years old, uh, got married very young, age twenty-one to another witness, and uh, we had, you know, our ups and downs. It was quite turbulent at times, and I guess around twenty thirteen, I that's when I really started having doubts about the religion. Um, the doubts arose out of problems I was having in my marriage and how. The elders who tried to give assistance how how they dealt with that and it started to show cracks to me cracks in the elder arrangement cracks in the way the organization is run cracks in the advice for marriage and just general life advice mm-hmm. um yeah i just no longer believe that it was was practical and um also some of the advice that the elders gave they it didn't help and in some cases actually made things worse so mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still had to play the role of the family head and, you know, take the family out on, on the ministry and prepare for field service and do the family worship and and all of those things while I'm having these doubts. And while I'm not 100 percent sold on the council anymore, it was really, really difficult. It was extremely mm-hmm. difficult. There were times um, at the Kingdom Hall where I was just I was only there in body. You know, my mind was completely somewhere else. A couple of times I got caught browsing facebook <laughs> 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 on my phone you know i just i just wasn't mentally invested in it anymore mm-hmm. you know
2: and you guys that's, uh... that's... Oh, sorry, sorry. that's it's kind of like the uh, you know what they refer to in the xjw community as a PMO. you know you're physically and yeah. you're mentally out and that i mean you know obviously it's like you start kind of breaking into two separate people right there right but the the doubting side of you the questioning side had to be kind of kept put away right like you can't yeah. expose it or well, i mean you can expose it but it comes with a high cost but it kind of you know i think most of us we started doubting just kind of what you're saying is we keep that quiet keep that to ourselves and so we have our own mental world happening that's kind of disconnected from physically sitting in the kingdom hall
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. absolutely i mean there were a
2: couple of times
0: where i found it really difficult not to walk out of the kingdom hall mm. When they were speaking about certain subjects, or when certain brothers were on a platform,
3: mm-hmm. you know?
0: um, there was there was one sister in particular, and I loved this sister dearly. She was like a, a second mum to me, and uh, she had a lot of health issues. Um, yeah, which was which was really sad. A lot, of, I mean, really bad health issues.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And whenever the topic of discussion at the kingdom hall not really discussion because it's never it's always one (laughs) way but you know what i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah the kingdom hall was about trials she would always make a point of saying when we're going through trials we shouldn't pray for the trial to end we should only pray for the strength to endure Mm -hmm. and that would always rub me up the wrong way Mm -hmm. i'm not exaggerating by saying it angered me Mm. every time i heard that comment or comments like that Mm. it's like it it doesn't make any sense to me it's like why would you have a trial and not want it to end right (laughs) And in in my mind i I couldn't see how that was any different to the the catholic um practice of flagellation Mm -hmm. you know intentionally going through pain because that somehow brings you closer to god i I saw that as being the witness version of (laughs) of flagellation and I just I just, I just hated it. And th- the reason I hated it so much is because when I would approach the elders with certain problems that were going on in my marriage, they would just tell me to endure and send me away. It was an extremely dismissive attitude. It was just mm-hmm. like, endure, endure, just endure. I was like, I don't want to just endure. I want the problem to end. You know, <laughs> I don't want to just endure. Yeah. You know? yeah. so I found that extremely difficult. It took every fiber of strength in my being not to walk out, mm-hmm. you know,
2: things like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's just like, uh, it's kind of just at the time, right. It's just a form of suppression. It's like you keep, you have those feelings bubbling up and you keep pushing it down. I think that's part of the training too, you know, it's yeah. kind like just keep quiet, um, not along, you know, yeah. and clap when you're supposed to clap, laugh when you're supposed to laugh, you know, stand when you're supposed to stand, sit when you're supposed to all oh, everything. Exactly. You know, it's just like, yeah. uh, yeah. Interesting. So I, I like that perspective. Um, as far as after waking up the double life that takes place. And I understand, I I think both of us understand some people with families and situations, they have to at least spend some time in that phase of Mm -hmm. kind of having that double life because just the, the consequences for speaking up and breaking out of the mold can be so high, especially if you are a father with children a uh, husband, you're taking care of your aging Jehovah's Witness parents. All these situations that arise, um, some people are forced probably to stay in a situation longer than they want to, uh, which mm-hmm. is sad, but also like understandable that they're you know sometimes you do sacrifice yourself for family. So I'm yeah. not uh, I'm not you know by talking about double life or not. Pushing that aside, that's obviously part of it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, my, my perspective, I, I, I went to that phase after waking up for a little bit where I continued to attend the kingdom hall and sit in on the meetings. I, I remember having the same experience of just wanting to get up and walk out, but just kind of sitting in there and pushing yeah. through, but, uh, yeah. my double life, I kind of just want like, I didn't have anything too crazy in my teenage years. Um, I, uh, but I did have somewhat of a double life where I, I, was trying to make friends with some schoolmates Uh, just when I started becoming a teen uh, I eventually got pulled out in homeschool so that uh, didn't become an issue (laughs) but um, uh, then I went to work and I started when I got a job the same thing with workmates right like I wanted to spend time with them so I remember sneaking around trying to just sneak out to go to a movie or just you know you just had to get sneaky about (laughs) <laughs> phone calls or who's going to call the house or whatever. It just, yeah. just plan everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, my music, I remember I, you know, I got into rap music and heavy metal. i would try to keep all that hidden away from my parents and just not, you know, uh, be found out for that. Just some other stuff. Uh, I think like um, underage drinking was uh, an issue in our area with a lot of the Jehovah's witnesses. So there was all these like kind of, it wasn't just me. It was a lot of the mm-hmm. teens in the congregation at that same time, we were all have. We all had this the kingdom hall life, and then the outside the kingdom hall like social life. That yeah. we we're, you know, I'm I'm not obviously a proponent of underage drinking, but it was just like we were all just trying to, kind of do stupid teenage stuff to put it that way, um, yeah. outside the kingdom hall and not be caught, yeah, <laughs> and not have yeah. our parents find out. Yeah. So I definitely went to that phase, and um, I think going forward from there like I did try to become a good witness but even then I found that I like personally still had like this secret these secret things going on with, within me mm. uh, some of it was doubts some of it was questions I just kept to myself didn't talk about but especially like um I was an elder and I'm open about this I was an elder and I also looked at pornography which is like a form of a double life right like yeah you're like this beacon of holiness when you're at the kingdom hall and I was giving public talks and assembly parts and uh, regional convention or district commission at the time parts and teaching elder school or whatever it was. Um, and then on, in the backside was like this, you know, the secret thing going on, the shameful thing in the background that the, yeah. obviously the witnesses consider dirty or inappropriate. Um, and so I, that was like, you know, even though I, in my head, I tried to justify that, mm-hmm. like how, how could this happen? You know, but, um, I found that, I mean, in my case, like, it got to the point where I was suicidal. That's how, like, mm-hmm. I was, I I didn't know how to confess and lose everything and kind of get my secret out to to get rid of this division running through all yeah. of my life, you know? And yeah. I I just think it's something that, and maybe you want to speak this a little bit, but I think it's something that um, happens because of the rules and the culture within the organization a lot of the time. Absolutely. and uh yeah like especially you know.
0: when, when it comes to sexual matters you know there's such mm. a a huge stigma um mm-hmm. you know it, 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 i mean i do understand from the jehovah's witness pr- perspective from the doctrine you know but mm-hmm. after waking up and realizing that it doesn't necessarily have to be that that way and mm-hmm. things that you know, you even you yourself believe were were wrong according to Jehovah's Witness doctrine. You no longer have a good reason for feeling or seeing them as being wrong.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, sexual repression is such a huge issue issue with mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses, especially um, for people who are brought up in the in the religion and in the culture. It just wound up so tight in every single possible way. Right? Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the that's bound to be a recipe for disaster.
2: Yeah. Just, I mean, all the uh, rules around, you know, whether it's <laughs> masturbation or pornography yeah. or uh, like you said, any other type of sex. And just the fact that um, all that's made so shameful and so dirty, yeah. you know, yeah. and then uh, that really drives secrecy. And so, of, of course, course, yeah, no one's, no one's talking openly about, Sexuality, or or their masturbation habits, or the fact they yeah. <laughs> pornography, and I think it just it actually like I think it drives it makes the habits worse, right? Because it's like a, um, uh, I don't want to use the word addiction, but ha- the habit, um, and you try to force that into secrecy. Typically, it doesn't help you with the habit. It doesn't help you break free yeah. of it if, if you want to yeah. break free of it. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm I'm not um, speaking out against masturbation or pornography here, but I'm just saying in general. It could be, you know, I've known, uh, witnesses with drinking habits or whatever it is, drug habits. And so much of that gets, you know, um, people are so afraid to speak up about it. Yeah. And so, and it just kind of forces people to make that, make that double life. And then on top, on top of it, if you, once you throw this fellowshipping as a practice in the mix, um, it just it seems almost like an impossible bar to get over, you know, yeah. like, um, I, I know for myself, like I was deathly afraid of, of being disfellowshipped oh. and that's why like, I was like, I don't want to get found out. I don't want to get caught. This has to be kept secret at all costs. Yeah. You know, whereas if you had like more of a, even if you want to take it from a religious viewpoint, if you had a more like healthy type of confession where there wasn't the threat of losing your, all your family and friends, you know, it would <laughs> it would definitely uh, take a big. You know, you might still experience some shame and embarrassment around the topic, but at least it would take a huge weight off your shoulders. As far as absolutely, um, yeah, that threat. Absolutely. You
0: know, I mean, there's there's such a uh, heavy emphasis on judgment. Mm-hmm. Over witness, you know, religion. Yeah, there's such em- heavy emphasis on judgment. You know, mm-hmm. and wh- when I when I was a witness, I I, I understood that. But I didn't see it as a problem, really. Mm. I mean, when I compared other really other Christian religions that were all about love and forgiveness, and I just I'm ashamed to admit it now I saw that as being well, they just want an excuse to uh, mm-hmm. to be able to do what uh, yeah, yeah. they want.
2: You know, yeah, that's that's the way I saw it.
0: That's that's my old you know. My old JW mindset,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, no, no. I had, yeah. I had the same exact thought too. You know, like yeah. They're just it, they just want to exactly make an excuse to do whatever they <laughs> they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's very. I think it's a very common way of thinking about it. I think that the um, way you point out about the whole thing about judgment is just, mm-hmm. and that's that permeates. It's not just when you meet with the elders, right? It actually permeates the congregation a lot of times. Where oh yeah everybody's kind of prying and spying and has their eye on everybody else and are very willing to pass judgment, you know? So it's just like people, (laughs) that's just another thing, again, that just kind of, if you have something that you're not, you just feel like might not go over that well within the the group, you just keep it to yourself or (laughs) keep it put to one side just because, Exactly. yeah, this is that judgment just kind of goes through everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I saw a, t- a
0: tweet uh, the other day from an um, from an ex JW, and he said that the whole time he was a witness, he was never ever afraid of Satan and the demons, but he was absolutely terrified of Jehovah. Mm. Wow! And yeah, I thought to myself. You know what? That's true of me as well. Mm-hmm. That's true of me too. Yeah, I mean, I was I guess there was a level of superstition about Satan and the demons. Mm-hmm. It, endemic within the religion everyone has that but i never ever felt afraid oh i better not do this because if satan sees he's going to try and do this he's going to try and do that mm. but i felt that about jehovah i was absolutely terrified of jehovah mm-hmm. but i wasn't so scared of, of Satan. the satan's supposed to be bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's very that's a great point actually i hadn't really yeah. completely thought about that it's I think for me, I lived in fear of just being found out, you know, it yeah. was even, it wasn't even like a fear of Jehovah as much as it was a fear of the, the, the group, you know, the group yeah. of people yeah. around me that, you know, it was just like could be terrifying sometimes just think what it like, what if these people found out who I really was or what mm-hmm. I was doing? Mm-hmm. Would any mm-hmm. of them still be my friends or like me? And it's just that almost like that imposter syndrome you're living with, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, crazy. I, I, I I mean, I was looking through the the Washoe Library, kind of just and thinking about this, and it's just, I'm you know no specific articles, but there's just obviously tons of articles based on double lives. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are pointed at young people, like the young people ask articles, where it's like about dating in secret or hanging out with people in secret or having a secret life or whether it's around sexuality. They just put tons of emphasis on. Um, not living a double life. And of course, sometimes they'll apply that to adults, but I think it's mostly aimed, what I was looking at as um, teenagers. And I just, I think it's interesting again, that they never ask themselves, why is this an issue? Like, why is this an issue within the organization? It's like, they, they talk about it, they condemn it, but they never, you know, this is like standard for them. They never look at themselves Mm -hmm. and say, what's, what's our role and a teenager wanting to date in secret. Yeah. You know? And you know, then they quickly probably start coming up with some answers. Well, it's the rules on dating, right? Either they're too young, they're not they're not past the bloom of youth, as they like to yeah. say. They're um or they want to date someone from school that's not a, jo- mm. a fellow Jehovah's Witness, right? So they have all these rules set up and they just they cannot like they have no <laughs> <laughs> they have there's nothing they can't reflect on their own actions ever, you know. Yeah. And and the fact that they are actually driving people to want to live a double life. You know, they they I don't know like as far as other families, but I remember my family growing up, um, with my parents, I didn't feel that um that sense of I could communicate with my parents about anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? Like um yeah. having a, a, a elder father and my mother was also Jehovah's Witness and my not only i mean this is just my personal experience having an elder father is like there's kind of that authority figure already as a father and on top of it he's an elder and then on top of it it gets turned on you as a kid that if you mess up you can cause your father to lose his position which is like so much pressure to put on a kid you know like
0: i I, I never had to have that because you know my dad was never appointed but uh, I I can't even imagine the <laughs> pressure.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, so that would was create
0: like, on a, on a young person.
3: Yeah, I don't so even want all, to
2: think about it. So that was always playing itself out. Like I I just felt like you couldn't you just you know I I know again it's not just Jehovah's Witness that this issue, but just there was the communication just didn't feel like it could be a free flow of communication about yeah what I had going on. You know, um, mm-hmm. I never felt like I'd go up to my dad and be like, hey, dad, I, um, I'm i masturbating. <laughs> yes. It was like, <laughs> no. I never, like, it never came up and it was like never discussed. And it was like, that was like, you know, just whatever. I was in the, not going to get discussed in my household because yeah. it's like, and on top of it, right, if you, there's always that chance for if you bring something like that to your parents, like, does it stop there?
0: Hmm, exactly.
2: exactly. You know, or or do, just,
0: they, do they take you to the elders? Or, or do
2: I, yeah, or do I need to go yeah. to, like, you know, well, then there's gonna be more questions. It's like, how, how much is this gonna escalate? You know, yeah. so I just found that for myself, just all those pieces of the puzzle at play uh, just, you know, made me kind of again, just like split into two people. Just like mm-hmm. I had what was going on here in the background, and then, you know, here I'm a Jehovah's Witness at the Kingdom Hall, I'm going out preaching, all that stuff. And uh, it just, I was really, I found like, it was pretty depressing as a teenager you know it's you're kind of getting the life squeezed out of you getting kind of tamped down yeah like you have you have your personality you have things you want to experience you have things you want to figure out but it's they're constantly trying to shove that down shove that down shove that down i just feel like for a lot of us it found its way it found a way to express itself you know absolutely Um, yeah it's, and would, but it would just had to be it was always in a secret <laughs> it was yeah. a secret that's it yeah, yeah. i so. mean I,
0: I've, I've, you know you know i mean you will have your experience of this yourself
2: mm. after you leave
0: such a strict high control religion as the witnesses when you come out you go through a period of trying to trying to learn or, or discover what your new beliefs are mm-hmm. you know you go through a period of that and i'm still going through that myself mm-hmm. But um, I've come to realize now that y- you can't really suppress, um, you know, your inner motivations and, you know, tendencies. You They're not things that you can suppress.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if you have tendencies or motivations or inclinations that are unhealthy, I-, I think a much better way of dealing with it is try to find what really is the root cause of those things. hmm And they try to fulfill that in another way, in a way that is healthy. Mm
3: -hmm. You
0: you can't just, I mean, it's it's like, um, you know, a a dam, you know, um, a crack is going to appear, you know, eventually. Mm -hmm. And then that's just going to undermine the whole thing, you know, and all of that water that has just been held back for goodness knows how long. is just going to
2: burn (laughs) and cause a whole lot of destruction. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely have right. leveled a few cities and
0: <laughs> that's right it's, instead of trying yeah. to hold back natural you know forces mm-hmm. like that try to work with them or try to reroute them not just not try to stop them it's not it's not possible in the long term i don't think
2: mm-hmm. no I, I think you're right i think you're right and i think that like even you and i are kind of examples of that right like, like mm. we, we tried to hold on for as long as we could <laughs> probably yeah. and just like again you know just like you were talking you, you try to like play along and go with it and but eventually it just keeps building and building and building until right. it's like i can't like you know to the these days like i can't even think about stepping foot in a kingdom hall <laughs> it's like you yeah. know just like i'm like oh, done, done but done. not that i'd be welcome there anyways at this point but um <laughs> yeah so try not to worry about that but the um yeah i think that was that's a good way of thinking about it kind of that um, the idea, the metaphor of a dam, you know, just, uh, I always put it to like, I always call it like a shelf. Like you keep putting things on the shelf and eventually the shelf yeah. just falls off the wall. You know, it's kind of yeah, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. that happens, but I've, um, uh, so since kind of leaving, I've found definitely found that it's pretty amazing when you can, um, when you start rebuilding your social circle, And you can actually have things that you had suppressed for your whole life as a witness that are perfectly okay in your new social setting. You know, I I just found, I found like (laughs) there's so much relief and just being able to just be like transparent and open with the people around you, you know? Yeah. And in my case, and even within my uh, Jehovah's Witness marriage that ended, I didn't even with my wife who's supposed to be the most intimate person in your life. I didn't even feel comfortable there expressing myself mm-hmm. or saying, talking about my doubts or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I just felt like there's so many topics that I just felt like they were completely off limit and just, you know, got put away. So to be able to just, you know, I don't know what, what your experience with this, but to just be able to meet people, connect with people and realize I can just be myself. Yeah. And, and there's not all this judgment. There's not, uh, people tell me what to do or what to think necessarily, you know, uh, what you, like, have you, have you experienced that too?
0: I, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember once, um, I was having a conversation with my, um, my ex and I mentioned that, I mean it was kind of a sensitive conversation because we were talking about our problems. But I, I remember I can't remember exactly how I got onto this subject, but I remember saying I reckon that somewhere in the Elders' Manual, I've ne- which I'd never seen at the time,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I felt that there was something in the Elders Manual that's that prevented the elders from counseling sisters unless they'd committed a serious sin. Mm-hmm. I was drawing on my, from my own experience that because of the way that they dealt with us and our problems um, so I said yeah I don't I don't think the elders are supposed to counsel sisters unless they've committed a serious sin I was wrong I mean there's nothing in the elders manual that says that but mm-hmm. I, I was drawing on my own experience the very next thing she said was have you been looking at apostate websites
3: mm,
0: <laughs> yes yeah I was the very ne- I'd never ever gone near an apostate website by this time mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. was from now where I actually have one.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, but at that time I've never been anywhere near You come a long way, you come a long way. Yeah, come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
0: I've, I've never been anywhere near an apostate website. And I, yeah. No, I was being honest about about the doubts I was having about the organisation and, and the elder arrangement and that. And if that that was the first thing she thought. I never ever mentioned any of my doubts ever again yeah. after that. Yeah.
2: You know, I yeah, just didn't I, feel that
0: I could I could, without yeah, ad- attracting yeah. undue suspicion.
2: Right. I mean, I had a, kind of a little bit of a similar experience with my ex in the case that I, like, she would walk in on me looking at old art- old Watchtower articles in Watchtower Library. And it was like, it was like literally like she walked in on me, like cheating on her. That's how she like, yeah. what, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm on Watchtower Library looking some stuff up. Like, why are you in the 1950s? I so said, I want to see what was said back then. <laughs> why are you reading like, and it was like, only read it, you're not supposed to read it with the wrong motives. You're reading it with the wrong motives. You have to read it, with, you're trying to find fault. And it was just like, but it was, you know, just kind of that, you couldn't, again, you couldn't just There's have no like a Yeah. No reasoning, no conversation. And so I just felt like, even within the the Jehovah's Witness marriage, um, I just felt like I could. I had the double life going again. It was just like that same thing was happening where I just I had my own private thoughts, my all the stuff I was keeping held within, and just not talking about, you know, or or mentioning. Just you know, and again, I know like uh, this could happen in any marriage where the communication breaks down. But I just think that there's such a uh, an emphasis on, uh, and I remember I actually had a a friend, an elder friend, when I was started expressing doubts. And he met with me, and he actually said the, these words to me. He said, I have a lot of doubts about the organization, but I would never share them with my wife because I don't want to undermine her faith. And that was, I was like, wow, oh, yeah. like, you know, I was like, are you listening to yourself? Because yeah. like, that's, you're talking about your wife. Like, why wouldn't you? Um, at that point, of course, I was mentally awake and everything. I would realized what was going on, but it just, again, it's just kind of that the organization just drives that type of, of sinking, you know? And I, I, I think that again, just one of the joys about leaving is just actually figuring yourself out. You know, at yeah. first you get that, the existential rug pulled from underneath you, you know, you're like, who am I? Yeah. What am I doing here? What does my future look like? Yeah. You know, and, and if you're just disfellowshipped or you're just uh, in my case disassociated, and it's like, okay, my whole social circle that I knew my whole life is gone. and it's like it's like this fresh start and it's it's a little frightening in the beginning to be honest, you know, but then uh, it's cool, just like I'm just gonna build my life the way I want to build my life. yeah, and I don't <laughs> I don't have to um hide any of it or keep it secret or tucked away. Like I can just um, ha- surround myself with people who are okay with me the way I am, you know, the whole thing, not, 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 you know, sections or parts of me, you know, or, or uh, some type of like, almost like a mask you're wearing when you go to the kingdom hall, you know, to appear a certain way. And I just, I think um, for people listening, maybe that are like physically and mentally out uh, for whatever, you know, reason that is, that's understandable. But I think um, as scary as it can be to be like fully leave, if that door opens up to you and it's safe to do, I just think it's pretty incredible. The, uh, on the other side of all the, the loss and the fear and all of that, it's, uh, life is pretty good, you know? And I think that even just like our own, in my case, my own mental health improved greatly, mm. um, just by not trying to be two different people all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And, and it just reminds, it reminds me of like, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing here but there was a quote by an author who said we you know each person consists of two people the one they show to the world and then the one they actually are and the less difference between there is the less difference there is between the two the happier you are. Um, That's absolutely and, true. Yeah. Absolutely and, true. I, I completely agree with that. Mhm. So um and yeah just everything just the life in general is just you know it has its challenges but I think if you can just kind of show up as yourself as much as possible and uh present that to the world and
3: mm-hmm.
2: um yeah. roll with it you know <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: so i mean um there, there's such a heavy emphasis in in the
0: organization about um not stumbling others you know mm. and uh what was that scripture again all things are lawful but not all things are advantageous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right <laughs> and, and that, that's used as like a way of making us censor ourselves. So Mm -hmm. there's something that we might want to do that isn't necessarily wrong, but we shouldn't do it because of the way it's going to affect the people. And we were taught that that was like the height of being considerate, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you know, but it's it's anything, but it's really, really damaging. You know, and we were taught to, I mean, in you look at the world and you think the world is just full of selfish people who don't care about anybody Mm -hmm. else or care about how their actions affect other people. And you just saw the world, worldly people, I hate saying that, just saw saw non-witnesses as being these awful, selfish people. But Mm. there is a lot to be said about taking care of yourself to the extent that you're not doing things that undermine your own mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's just that witnesses have such an extreme black and white, you know, um, dichotomous way of thinking. That everything is just pushed to the extreme. So if somebody, you know, wants to take care of their own mental health, health, I'm, you know, I believe that the the buzz term is self care or self love. Mm-hmm. The the extreme view of that is just selfishness, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily true.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's so many. Uh scriptures they just trot out on yeah. you know they, they love to beat that drum you know like yeah. even even the, even the christ didn't please himself exactly. <laughs> you know just like exactly. but they, it is a constant like distrust of yourself um yeah. and they're trying to you know always take the emphasis off yourself you know just kind of yeah. anything they can do to like it, you make a good point to the point where any type of thinking about who am i what do i actually want to do what goals do I want for myself? Like that's discouraged. You know, they yeah. say, no, we will tell you who you are. We'll tell you what your goals are. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, I think that's, they end up implanting those ideas in your head, you know, and it's, that's right. and it's then you, it's hard time sorting out who am I versus, uh, who are they telling me to be? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, it, it becomes in my head. It was like a tangled mess, you know? Yeah. So it's, it um, takes, oh go ahead. And what I found is that
0: when you're when you're not being your authentic self, there's a battle that's going on mm. inside of you. There's definitely a battle that's going on inside of you, and that manifests itself in so many ways. Um, you know, I remember um, as soon as not as soon as, but shortly after I left the organisation, I um, started. No, not shortly, uh, shortly after I woke up which was about a year and a little bit after I left, I started reading uh, Stephen, Hassan's, Stephen Hassan's book, um, Combating Cult Mind Control.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There was ai can't remember what the chapter it was, but he was speaking about your authentic self. And he said that you can't completely eradicate someone's authenticity. It's always there in some way, shape or form, even if it's really, really small and very, very suppressed. Mm-hmm. It's still there and it can always be brought back.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? And the, a, a hallmark of cults and high control group is that they try to rewrite your personality.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They try to rewrite your personality. So just as, as you were saying that, no, we're going to tell you what your goals are. We're going to tell you what
3: mm-hmm.
0: path in life you should take. You know, <laughs> That's exactly what that is. Yeah, it, It's it's trying to rewrite your personality. And uh times when I was unhappy with the truth. (laughs) I'm happy with the organization. and (laughs) When certain things didn't sit well with me, that's because my authentic self was trying to reject that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was trying to reject, reject those efforts of being rewritten.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think there's, uh, it's true. It is like a a battle going on, you know? And I think for me, I did, I went through, a definitely went through a period where I just didn't fight in a way mm-hmm. you know i just that's mm-hmm. and that was my when i was supposedly uh doing really good in the organization you know just because i basically well i guess this is the best way of life so i might as well get busy trying to live it you know it's kind of cause that's what they tell you you know best life ever best life ever and yeah. you'll be happy you'll be happy and i'm like well i guess i just will i'll do that then i'll do that and i you know uh, kind of like we talked about before i made it for a while and uh you know Climb the rungs within the organization just so I could fall even further than, <laughs> <laughs> than you can imagine. But, um, yeah, it's just, I think it's, um, it's really good to think about. I think it's good just to think about in general life now. Um, even after leaving, I think we can learn lessons from it, you know, because yeah. th- there is the opportunity for it to happen, not being a Jehovah's Witness, um, oh, you absolutely. Know, be, uh, just trying to fit in and go along with kind of the group and, uh, yeah. You know it, different aspects of life where all the st- all these same mechanisms play themselves out uh-huh. and uh so I think like i've some I've tried to like keep that in mind like okay i've I've lived that, I've learned the experience, I broke free from that, and you can kind of use that experience to make you stronger when if that need arises in the future, yeah you know so it's uh you know it's it's of course challenging again but there's a lot of uh you kind of can build strength and learn it's a learning experience too Mm -hmm. yeah -hmm. but But leaving the
0: witnesses is you know it leaves a huge vacuum Mm -hmm. there's a huge vacuum that's that that's this organization sized hole (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's in your life and so you're already and because it's such a high control group you're already primed after you leave, to being um, susceptible to that kind of influence again, and yeah. it's something that I've seen a lot in the XJW community. You see a lot of mm. people fall down the rabbit hole of, you know, um, conspiracy theories, or mm. leaving one cult and jumping straight into another. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's really sad when you think about it. yeah, but it, it's something that I try to be mindful of, you know, all the time because I don't, I don't want to end up doing that. I don't want to end up ju- jumping into another cult-like situation mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the disposition that I have as a result of being raised as a witness.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And, um, I have a, a cure for saying the truth. Um, yeah. so at some point when it's safe, you know, I know we're in a pandemic, but when it's safe to get together with some fellow ex witnesses do so. And then, um, every time somebody says the truth, somebody has to do a shot. <laughs> and uh if you spend the evening in a long night like that the next morning you'll be broken of the habit of saying the truth
3: <laughs> you'll have
2: you'll have a the truth hangover the next morning and that'll take care of that so that's what i found is a cure anyways <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. i'll have to try that
1: thank you everyone for listening if you want to reach out to me it's armageddon podcast at gmail.com or on instagram at armageddon podcast and again please check out riley's youtube channel if you're so inclined jexit j-e-x-i-t 2020 there's a leak
0: in the boiler room the poor the lame the blind who are the ones that we kept in charge killers thieves and lawyers god's away god's away god's away oh Business, business,
3: God so great,
0: God so great, God so.